What is up, my nerds? Welcome inside Pop Culture with Fanboy and Know-It-All. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. Welcome back inside our crazy brains. You may have noticed we didn't lead with any banter. No banter. No banter. I led with our show's theme song. Our catchy little ditty of a theme song. It's a beautiful and theme song. It's wonderful. <laughs> Paul has never heard it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about 95% certain. I listen to it all the time. All the time, Jake. Every I'm time equality control. Listen to it. So we led with the theme song today because we uh, wanted to rank the best TV theme songs, intro songs of all time. Isn't that right, Paul? That is correct. And Jake, I got to tell you, this is this may be the, the podcast. I'm always excited for all of our podcasts. This may be the most excited I have been to report, record a podcast in 2020. In 2020. In 2020. And that's saying something because we've had, I mean, you've been through the roof. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm always all the other reporting. I'm so I mean, super excited. But this one, I'm super duper excited. Now you're about to break the stratosphere like Felix Baumgartner. <laughs> Whatever that means. Do you not get that reference? No. Where no. were you? Where were you when Felix Baumgartner jumped from the edge of space in his Red Bull capsule? Or from <laughs> out of a Red Bull capsule? He took a hot air balloon to the edge of space and he jumped out of it. That seems not smart. He survived. Did he? He, Yeah. He had a a parachute. (laughs) That's a long way to parachute. I mean, that's not a suicide attempt. Man, oh man. He didn't parachute most of the way. He free fall. He was in free fall for a huge chunk of it. Like how long did it take him to actually reach the ground? Uh, I want to say it was in the neighborhood of eight to 12 minutes. Eight to 12 minutes. That's a long fall. It was a really long fall. And I mean, he was going uh, in the neighborhood of 700 plus miles an hour. He oh set the record at the time. Goodness. His cheeks were probably flapping around like they always see he, in the wind tunnels. He almost lost consciousness. He was in a spacesuit, you know, so his wind, the wind wasn't flapping his, his cheeks, but. It would have been great uh, if it was, though. He started, to, he started to tumble. And at that speed, the G's, if you start to tumble, uh, will knock you out if you don't correct. But it's really hard to correct because there's not very much well, oxygen. How, how would you even know how to correct? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that you do. And like if you parachute a lot, then you probably know how to do all that sort of stuff. But it just seems insane. I mean, Absolutely 8 to 12 insane. minutes, not tumble, try to stay conscious during the entire time. That's, nope. that's crazy. That's crazy. He landed standing up. No, even, he did not. Yeah, didn't even didn't even jelly leg and fall to the ground. He just w- landed on his two feet and walked away like a boss. All right, it's on I, YouTube. I recommend you check it out. Well, I can't but, uh, watch it for eight to twelve minutes. I don't have that kind of. Just watch the highlights. Just watch the highlights. <laughs> this is the twenty first century. We don't have more than like thirty forty five seconds to watch anything. Watch him jump, see him tumble for a little bit, see him pull the parachute, watch him land. There you go. That's, right. That's all you need. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. But uh, we are it, 
that was notable to me because I was in college at the time when it happened and I was doing some homework and I remembered he's jumping today and they're streaming it on YouTube. And so I rushed over to see if I had missed it and it was literally less than a minute before he jumped out. So I got there just in time and I watched him do it live. And, uh, you know, there's, it's, there's something about the communal feel of watching something together with a lot of people, even if you're not right there together with a lot of people. Listen to that. I, I sense a segue. A segue coming on. <laughs> I literally sense a segue. And that was something I missed out on because I didn't get to watch the Parks and Recreation COVID-19 quarantine oh, special no at the time of air. Oh. I did watch it. I did watch it, you know, the day after. Yeah. But I didn't like get to watch it with everybody else. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was a bummer. I, I felt like I was missing out. No, there was there was a certain energy because because my wife and I we sat down and we watched it live just like normal people used to do, and it was it was cool. You did feel uh, obviously you can't feel the energy through your TV screen, you know, of all those people watching, but you know that you're part of something that's kind of cool. Um, it's it might be in a season that has been very hard for so many of us, it might've been one of the, the few bright spots that we've seen, I think was, uh, was this parks and recs special. I thought it was just, I thought, it, well, we can talk more about that later, but I, I was just going to launch in. He's going to I just monologue. wanted to launch right in. Um, we caught you monologue. Because it was significant. It was significant and it was for a worthy cause. And did it disappoint? We'll talk about it. We will. And inspired by the playful ditty of the Parks and Recreation theme song, which had been off the air for a little while, though you could watch it in stream on certain streaming services, we thought it would it was appropriate that we go back and we review the best TV theme songs of all time and then rank them and argue about them because I'm sure Paul will disagree with mine. I will. It's a given. That's right. And of course, we... We'll wrap up the show the way we always wrap up this little show with the most least important thing. Mine is super least important this time. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, interesting. I, I don't even know what's important is. or least important. I'm still trying to decide. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We'll figure it out as we go. This but now it's time to talk. Now it's time for Paul to interrupt me as I do the segue to the next segment, which is Rank Geeks, not. I, I forgot what the segment was because Paul interrupted me. Uh, we're not doing rank. That's rank geeks is second. Rank geeks ranks second in this. I episode. should have interrupted you. First up is the Parks and Recreation quarantine special. I'm going to cut it off right there before I get any copyright strikes against us. <laughs> a wise move. I don't have the kind of money to pay off a copyright license problem. Me either. But thankfully, if you play a short selection and you comment on it, <laughs> it's fair use. <laughs> that right there was the Parks and Recreation theme song or a selection of it. <laughs> and I, my comment on it is that it is... Quirky and delightful. 
This is, is You Heard with Perb. <laughs> this is the soundtrack that we are playing today. <laughs> it is our own theme song, and we'll play it to play ourselves in. <laughs> All right, Paul. So uh, the Parks and Recreation Quarantine Special. Yes. You were excited to launch into this conversation. So well, launch your way. Yes, I, I was excited to launch into this conversation. And I got to actually give you props, Jake, for once. Um, way back, several podcasts, like a couple years worth of podcasts ago, we did a segment on um, your favorite mythical places that you'd like to visit. That's right. And uh, Pawnee, Indiana. Fantasy Worlds. <laughs> fantasy Worlds. Yes, best fantasy worlds. Pawnee, Indiana made it to the very top of your list, which which I thought at the time, and still do think, by the way, <laughs> was absolutely ridiculous. Ridiculous. But I did, um, your love of Parks and Rec was one of the reasons why I started watching Parks and Rec, actually. I usually don't trust uh, you on any sort of media information whatsoever. But you and enough other people had had talked enough about Parks and Rec where I thought, you know what, I really should check it out more than just... I. When I reviewed it for, for my other job, um, I've always enjoyed it. I always thought it was witty, but I just don't watch a lot of TV. Enough people, including you, actually said this is something that is really, really funny. And so my wife and I started watching it. We plowed through the entire series. Loved it. It's the first show, actually, that, that my wife and I have have watched together in a really long time. Just just the both of us, where we just, we just dug it. Um, and so because of that, when I heard that the Parks and Rec gang were getting back together for this coronavirus special that was being done for charity. Um, I was all in, I was excited. I think that, that one TV reviewer called parks and rec, the parks and rec gang, the best, best friends on TV. And I couldn't agree more. It was nice to see everybody together. So, and as you know, I watched it live. I watched it with everybody else. Yeah. The calling them the best, best friends. I think I said this in my fantasy show when I added Pawnee to my list, but I have to agree with that characterization because I watched – I really got into Parks and Rec back when I was a lonely college student. You know, I was married and I had a kid. Uh, so I had my family, which was great. But I worked full-time. I was going to school full-time. I didn't get a lot of free time except for the little bit – my lunch break during the day. I could walk home and I could watch one episode of Parks and Rec or Community. I'll say that. Uh and before I went back to work and it felt like I had a small group of friends to visit at lunch, even <laughs> though I couldn't hang out with my real friends very often. <laughs> that is both rather sweet and very sad. That's right. That's right. Which this special kind of felt both very sweet and darkly sad. sad in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, Here's the funny thing about about sitcoms, I think, is that one of the reasons why we love them is they strike sort of a bittersweet tone in our psyche, I think, um, because I think humor humor is sometimes built on uh, tension 
and awkwardness and sometimes pain. Um, you have characters who, um, you know, you just have characters whose, whose lives are not necessarily going well, but you find that you have this very sweet center that they all find, even with their flaws and even with their problems, they find this, this joy to be with one another. And I think that that's what sort of draws us back. And so because the the heart of most really good sitcoms, at least most really good sitcoms in, in recent history, it's it's all about those friendships. It's all about those, those uh, communities that develop. And I think because of that, they feel like communities to us. We feel like we're part of that community. And when shows like Parks and Rec's community, The Office, Friends, go off the air and we've become um, invested in those communities, there's a great deal of, of, of pain. It's like graduating from, it's, it's like graduating from high school or for, from college where you realize that this stage is gone. And so I think there's, there's an interesting dynamic in play that becomes very personal when it comes to these sitcoms. And for me, that's partly what made this one extra dark and sad in its own way. Yeah. In spite of its attempt to be jovial and lighthearted is that, like I said, in the time where I could not connect with my friends in real life the way I wanted to, I was in a pseudo quarantine, if you will. You know, I could gather with these friends who gathered together. But now, if we're all sitting in this very real quarantine where we can't gather with our friends the Parks and Rec cast couldn't still – even the Parks and Rec cast could not break that bond of quarantine. Yeah. And yeah. be brought together to provide us that. Like the episode itself centered around them not being able to be together. And so it wasn't able to provide that escape even as it provided that empathy that yeah. touched. And so that made it both relevant but also honestly for me made it feel distant and uh, impacted my ability to connect with it. That's very interesting. For me, I think it increased my ability to connect with it. And, and part of that is, is just because I think that sometimes when we are consumers of entertainment, we, we, tend, to, we tend to think of celebrities as, as being sort of off in their own separate bubble, right? They live different lives than we do. They have lots more zeros on, on the end of their paychecks. They are somehow immune from the problems of this world. And I think that one thing that, that, that the, the coronavirus has driven home to me is how much we all kind of live the same sort of lives. I mean, I think that, that seeing these, these actors and actresses and the characters them play both in quarantine, it, it felt very meta to me. You know, because you have you have them been playing characters in quarantine, and yet the actors were also in quarantine in their very own houses. They had to find places that looked like they they belonged to to the story, and I think because of that, it didn't distance them from me. It didn't distance the special from me, but it added a layer of poignancy. You know, you you think about how easily these actors slip back into the characters, but you're also sort of thinking about the actors themselves 
and what their lives might be be looking like. You know, you see Adam Scott with his scruffy hair. You realize that he probably hasn't had a haircut for a long, long time. You see, you see, uh, just so many things that that struck me on a on a personal level that I wasn't necessarily expecting to be struck by. Yeah, um, I just. I guess what I'm feeling is I I'm in a I'm at a point in my own quarantine where I'm tired of everything being about it. And I think that that certainly contributed to the the way they leaned into that like I understand why they did and I understand why that was resonant. Mm-hmm. But at the same time when I turn to entertainment for some escape to see commercial after commercial and show after show and YouTube video after YouTube video and podcast after podcast, all of us are talking about it. There's a connection there, but I, I'll, I'll be honest, I've grown fatigued of a lot of it. Interesting. And so there's that part of me that says why, you know, I would have, there's a part of me and I don't know that this still, this, this is for me. I can't say this is obviously for everybody because it wasn't for you. Sure. But I wanted them to. I wanted to see them flex their creative muscles and come up with a reason to do this show that didn't. That with this concept of them not being able to be in the same place at the same time, and not be referencing the the COVID nineteen quarantine. Yeah, Jake, uh, I, I I just have to say you're completely wrong about that. Yeah, I, and I get it, but that that was what I was left with. I get why I'm wrong, um, but. Yeah, because I, it, I think it, that it, that's what made it so impactful. And I think that that was sort of the power of, again, it's sort of the power of uh, of sitcoms themselves. I mean, when you have communities of people, I think that that one of the values of the community is that you're able to commiserate. You're able to suffer in the same world, you know? And I think that that's, that's one of the, um, the catharses that took place in, in this particular show is, is that sense of Hey, we're all in this together. And, and I think that, that that's one thing that Parks and Rec has always done really well throughout its history is that it has it, – it's always been predicated on a very imperfect world, right? It takes place in government, for heaven's sake, and it's all about bureaucracy. And yet there's this – and you have all these people who disagree with each other who um, – you would think in especially today's sort of uh, very difficult, very disjointed uh, culture wouldn't get along well at all. They'd get into Facebook fights or whatnot, and yet they all got along together. There was a sort of a, a, a sense of optimism, a sense of hope that people of, of different opinions could actually work together and respect each other and even love each other. And that brings to mind sort of that idea of community, of family if you will. And I think that that's one of the beauties of, of community and family is that you are there for each other in the tough times. I totally get what you're saying as far as, as far as wanting to just step away from the coronavirus for a little while, because it's so pervasive and it's impacted so many things and we just want relief. Just some sort of distraction. The NFL draft was a great distraction in some ways. But I don't know if 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 shows like like Parks and Rec are meant to 
serve that purpose because there's so much about community, so much about we're in this world together. We'll see it through. It's a little bit crazy. It's a little bit depressing, but you know what? We're here for each other. And so we're going to pursue, you know, the ends together. Sure. I think maybe what might have, what might have lost me more even than the fact that it involved the coronavirus was I think how preachy it felt about the coronavirus. Like there were multiple times throughout the episode where you're like, oh, that's just a CDC talking point that they worked into the script over and over again to, to that, that didn't feel like entertainment, but felt like it felt, it felt there, there were times where it felt more like propaganda. And, And I don't use that in the scary sense of the word, but in just in maybe the more lighthearted sense of the word, like when uh, they used to make propaganda films about hiding under your desk to avoid the nuclear bomb, right? <laughs> Where I was like, this, it felt preachy at several points to me from my perspective, instead of finding a creative way to address coronavirus. And like, I guess one of the things I always really appreciated about Parks and Rec, and maybe not always is the wrong word. There were moments and there were episodes where it got preachy in its messaging, but was sort of the ability the show had to get across these messages that you talk about of community and friendship with people who are not like-minded with us. They did so in really fun and creative ways. It was very rarely spelled out for you or said in a preachy way. It was just here is how the show goes and draw your message, you know, draw your takeaway from, you know, what the characters learn, not from what they're telling you outright. But in this one, they just kept telling you outright, well, make sure that you do your connection call because of the mental health. And like, it was literally in the setup. And I I see how they tried to do it. You know, they tried to do it by having the political characters trying to do these PSAs. But it it still the way they kept hitting it over and over again, ended up to me feeling preachy more than entertaining. Yeah. And we have to keep in mind what kind of turnaround they were talking about here, too. I mean, they this was something that was created right on the spur of the moment. You dive in. You don't have your entire writing crew doing it, number one. Right. Um, you don't have very much time to prepare for a world that you have left five years ago. And you're trying to address the country, really, in a time of unprecedented anxiety, I think. Yeah. Because we've never really experienced, obviously, we've had some very anxious times in our country, but for, but in this type of environment, manifestation of it, exactly, exactly. This is this is sort of uncharted territory, and so I don't think that anybody would say that you know the reunion special would necessarily be you know a, a top ten, top twenty top 50 episode even of Parks and Rec, right? I just don't think that that's, that's realistic to expect. But it is realistic. I think in, in, in the same way that you go, like you have all your, all your old high school friends or college friends or whatnot, right? You remember all the well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> these were my college <laughs> friends. Some people, I've heard that this happens. Um, <laughs> but you have these, these friends who you had a blast with back in high school or college. And then you see them after a long time and you still have a really good time. Is it the same? No, it's not the same because you've grown. You're, you've moved out of that space. And yet there's a little bit of the, the magic, if you will, that still remains. 
I, I, I will. I appreciated what the reunion special tried to do, but I did not feel the magic. Not even when they sang "Bye Bye Little Sebastian." I get. I appreciated it, but I didn't feel the magic. Oh, Jake, Jake, you've gotten cynical in your old age. Because even, even let me admit, even let me bye just bye admit Sebastian, it didn't fit in the episode at all. I totally fit in the episode, and it didn't even matter if it didn't. Because it was so great. I, I want to know how much of this is because you've grown – you grew up in an era where specials were a thing. I, I like I think I just didn't. So I'm not used to this like we're going to change the formula and do a special. Like do you think part of your acceptance of this is because you're more – you've had more experience with these types of TV specials than no, maybe I, mean, I have? Here's, here's my answer to that. I don't know, but I know generally speaking, I dislike specials and okay. I really dislike very special episodes, right? You always hear Blossom, very special episode of Blossom or whatever. I hate those issues type mm. of, of episodes. They just, they just don't appeal to me. And I think that, that I sort of cringe when they come on. Um, this one struck me differently. And I think, um, I I don't even know what it was, except that to see, I, I sort of marveled a little bit at how the actors fell in so seamlessly into these characters that they left behind. So, you know, five years ago, um, how they called back to certain things from, from Parks and Rec gone by. And I got to say, I was, I was, teary-eyed when uh, they sang Bye Bye Little Sebastian. I felt ridiculous. I felt crazy for, for being so emotionally moved by, by this stupid song. But I had the same sort of feeling that I had when, you know, season six came to an end, when season seven came to an end. You had this sense of uh, farewell. And there was... In some ways, it almost felt like Parks and Rec was uh, was some sort of artifact from a more a saner, more optimistic, uh, more gentle time. Even though it wasn't really, but right. to me, it felt that way. It felt like it was. It felt like a warm blanket in, yeah. in a really great way. I was in such a good mood after that show. Actually, that that I I forced my wife to to watch some good news with uh, John Krasinski afterwards. And I just, that Parks and Rec and some good news, just, I I was actually going to bed smiling for the first time. I've, I've gone to bed like that in weeks. Well, that's all I needed to hear. I'm, I'm back on board. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and to be clear, I was never off board. I, I still appreciated it. I, I recognize the challenges that they're going through and, and how difficult this type of thing is to pull off. And so I, I don't, I'm as much as it wasn't what I wanted it to be. I appreciated the effort and I appreciated what it was trying to be, even if it didn't work for me, even if I, I really liked the bye bye little Sebastian song. I was irritating my kids with it the other day, but uh <laughs> Even though I felt a little bit more like Ben Wyatt when it came on this time, I'm still overall appreciative of the effort that they gave. 
Yeah, and I think it still had even even though it wasn't you know stellar sitcom comedy, it still had some pretty good lines. I thought. You know, I've been social distancing since I was four years old. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I liked, uh, I liked uh, Andy's line saying, things will get back to normal. It may not be today. It might not <laughs> be tomorrow. It might be next week. might not be a year or a hundred years or a thousand years. It might never happen, but it will eventually. <laughs> but it will eventually. That's about, I think you're right. That about sums up how we all feel right now. <laughs> We try to hold on to hope. I think that's really true. But uh, I, I will. I think my last thing to say on this is, I, as I watched it and after I watched it, I think I was actually most curious about what I will think of it five or ten years from now. As we think back on this time, I've thought about that just in general. You know, what will this blip? How much of a blip on the radar will this be for us? half a decade from now, a decade from now, you know, uh, obviously we, we can't know. There's no way to Good know. Podcast topic though. Hint, yeah. Hint, hint. We'll, we'll, we'll circle back around on this. We'll do a reunion on the reunion <laughs> special. So, no, I, mean, uh, I, I think that it will be interesting because I think that this, this moment will have moments within itself that we will, we will remember. And some of them will be surprised that we remember. And some of them will be surprised that we forget. Yep. So there you go. The Parks and Rec reunion special, Coronavirus Edition. So glad. <laughs> What's that? Don't be a hater, Jake. Don't be a hater. What did you guys think? Uh, of course, you can always hate on us and our opinions on Twitter. I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. I'm at AC Paul. But now it's time for Rank Geeks. Just kick off Rank Geeks. Name that TV theme song. Wow. Goodness gracious. I think it's before my time. Um, I have no idea. I think it's British. It sounds British. Well, you're wrong on both accounts. It's not from before your time, and it is not British. Hmm. That, my friend, is the theme song for Curb Your Enthusiasm, the HBO show starring Larry David. Yeah... Yeah, no. Never watched Curb Your Enthusiasm. Never had even never even had to review it. Never even had to review it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. I've heard well, good things about it. I like the theme song. It's a very nice little little ditty of a theme song, isn't it? Yeah. And we're here to rank theme songs. There are a lot out there. Almost as many theme songs out there as there are TV shows, it would seem. <laughs> Weird how that happens. I was it's my best John Madden impersonation. Well, you know, the, the team that scores the most points usually wins the game. That was like Kermit the Frog meets John Madden. <laughs> that might have been the worst John Madden impression I've ever heard. Frank Caliendo, I am not. <laughs> but here in Rain Geeks, it's Hi, time. There. I'm John Madden. <laughs> I tell you right now. I'm John Madden, and the team that scores the most points tonight will exit the victor. 
or your money back. See, I, I think you're going for a godfather. It actually sounds more like Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, that was that was Donald Trump doing the Godfather. Exactly, so that's you what it nailed was. it. You absolutely nailed it. I, I tend to do most of my impersonations as somebody else doing an impersonation of someone else. You've got a talent for that. I'll I'll say that. <laughs> like here's my impersonation of myself doing an impersonation of Robin Williams doing an impersonation of. I'm just kidding. We're not here to rank impersonations, though that would be a great Rank Geeks episode at another point in time. <laughs> so keep that keep that in the back of the mind. We'll put a pin in that one. Uh, Paul, I think this is rather self-explanatory, but I also realized as I was putting together this list that it really wasn't truly self-explanatory. There are a lot of different ways you can go. Yeah. Is it truly the TV theme song? Did it have to be an original to that show? Did it have to be uh, a, did it have to happen during the credits? Like what what are we talking about? Oh here? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It it had to be during the credits. That is a yeah. rule. You cannot do bye-bye little Sebastian. That <laughs> would not work. Even though we could say that it's the theme song of the Parks and Recreation universe. That's what I think of as, as the Parks and Rec theme song. But um, this is the way Did I – Did it have to have it. lyrics? Could it not have lyrics? I did not go with lyrics. I did go – it had to be at the very beginning of the show. There's a couple of, of TV shows that have actually had multiple um, theme songs. So mm. I think that you can go either way with that. Um I actually completely scrapped the the top five premise. And oh, did you? I did. I did because that's the one rule we're not allowed to break. <laughs> well, it's called rank geeks, you moron. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what I did is I because I, I I actually ranked the best theme song per decade for five decades. Uh-huh. So that's my criteria. I did because so you're giving me five top ones. Five top ones. Because here's here's the thing, Jake. This is the reason why I was so excited for this. I'm going to make you rank them by decade. You realize this now. <laughs> I'll do it, man. So this is this will give you insight into how crazy my brain really is. When I was 12 or 13, I would go this down. This your supervillain backstory? Yeah, this is my super villain backstory. It's really, it's really embarrassing. I really feel weird about revealing this. <laughs> but I would go down. You know, it was it was the eighties, and so you didn't have you know iPhones or anything to record with. So you had just like these these huge tape decks. You know, these cassette tapes. Well, I I was born in the eighties, <laughs> and I would turn on the TV. But some of our listeners might be you know really young, unlike both of us. We would go, I would go down and I would crank, you know, the, the primetime shows would come on and I would crank the sound up for, for the primetime shows to hear the theme songs because I loved the theme song so much and record them on my little cassette player so I could, I could play them back. I, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing that I really loved to do. I loved music, but I especially loved TV theme songs for some reason. So I, I feel, I feel a deep connection with this particular topic. Yeah. My kids now marvel when I can go to Amazon music and pull up a song from the video game we just played. Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's and have the full track, but it, it you totally, had to do it the hard way. 
it it scratches maybe my geekiest itch. It really does. And it was crazy for you because if you missed it at 6.30 on Friday night, you had to wait a whole week to try again. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. My parents must have thought I was absolutely insane because there were shows that I could I was not allowed to watch, but yeah. I liked their theme song so much that I <laughs> let me see it just for the theme song, and then I would have it. One day at a time fit into that category. One day at a time. Is, is that a soap opera? No, no, no. That's one life. <laughs> one day at a time. Bond, world parts. Valerie Bertinelli was a part of that show. Had the greatest I, theme song. The greatest theme song. So my closest like empathetic experience to that is I would listen to the radio and I wasn't really – when I was just starting to break out beyond only Christian worship music, which was a large portion of my early childhood, um, I would tune into a local rock radio station and I would sneak blank cassette tapes and into our boom box. And you could actually, at this point, the technology advanced far enough that I, there was actually a record button on there for what was playing on the boom box itself. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and so I could, if I sat there and listened long enough, I could catch all but the first couple of seconds of the song I was hoping to record. <laughs> so I, I got some incubus that way, you know, that'll date me. <laughs> Oh, some Stone Temple Pilots, some Chevelle. All right. So I, I told you my criteria. What what was your criteria then? Uh, my criteria was that I had to put them in a numerical order. <laughs> as you'll see from my list, I, I didn't I, – I, I also didn't go as far as to say, you know, is there a song that is central but not necessarily the theme? I, I largely stuck with what song plays during the credits, what's considered – the title song right, right. for the series. And that was essentially the only rule I had besides actually, you know, ranking them like we agreed to do. <laughs> so uh, as I give t- Paul time to organize his, his decades list from I'm one ready. to five. <laughs> totally there. <laughs> which is going to be my sneaky way of forcing him to rank. Uh, I will go ahead with my number five. Are you okay. ready for my number? All right, five, Paul. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna help try to play some of these bad boys for us. If if my laptop doesn't think that I'm a hacker, um, so all right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this into a bit of a game as we go for you, Paul. And then I want you to guess at like oh. you had to for the first one before okay. I reveal it. All right. All right. Are you ready for my number five? Do I, do I shout it out? Do I do I holler out? If you if you know it, shout it out, and then oh. I'll make you clarify so everybody can actually hear you. Okay. All right. Here we here we here we go. Here we go. Oh oh, it's good. This is the lamest theme song ever. Whatever it is for. I totally reject this number five pick of yours. Did you just say you reject my my number five? I, I reject your number five. It's a terrible. I thought this song. would be your favorite. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. It, so it feels like. Uh, let me just guess what type of show it would be. It feels like it would be some sort of. You know what it sounds like? It's it yeah. sounds like some sort of 
commercial that involves ice skaters and laundry detergent from the 1970s? Yeah. Is that what it is? It's not, but I, I like to think of it as something that would be the theme song for the credits of a romantic comedy from the 1940s. Uh, which makes, which is why I like it so much as the theme song for what it is, because what it is, is the theme song, the title song for sunny in Philadelphia. I was just about to say it. I totally (laughs) was because of my setup. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was thinking, what is the, the opposite show and what type of show would actually do that? Yeah. Always, Always sunny in Philadelphia. That would definitely right. They go from whatever ridiculous little stinger they have at the beginning, right? The little opening, cold open, and then they'll always cut right to this just delightful little lilting melody that runs through the opening yeah. credits. And <laughs> as soon as I hear it, I just feel happy hearing this song, especially thinking about the juxtaposition. This is something I think people have probably learned about me through this show is I love ridiculous juxtapositions. And yeah. that's why it landed at number five on my list. Well, and I got to say that knowing that it's, it's, it's always sunny in Philadelphia completely redreams the theme song for me. Honestly, okay. that it's part of that <laughs> show. It, it works in a way that it wouldn't for any other show. Like if it was right. the intro for A-Team, although that would be pretty great too, now that I think about yeah, it. It could, it could work. It was actually, the song itself is called Temptation Sensation. <laughs> And it was written by a guy named Heinz Kiesling, who actually died two years before uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia ever became a show. Wow. That's interesting. Hmm. There you go. All right. Number five for me. And we're going to be going in reverse chronological order because theme songs have gotten worse as time has gone on. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, for, for a while. And, and I think that, that – um, we're still sort of in this period where theme songs are, are pretty negligible. Like you don't really think mm. of theme songs when you think of shows anymore. Right. I disagree, but I, I just don't think like you have some great um, introductory graphics sometimes, but, but with Netflix, you're able to skip over the intros. Um, I think that sometime in the, in the year 2000s, a lot of shows stopped going with, with theme songs at all. I mean, you have a lot of shows that don't have theme songs at all. And so I think that really the the greatest, last, the last great theme song was actually 1990s era Friends. I disagree. Not only was that not the last great one, I don't actually like that one. It's really great. It's really no. great. Defend it. I, I don't need to. Everybody in the sound of my voice says, oh, friends, that's a great song. It's so nice. I I think we like it because of what it's connected to, which also I contend friends doesn't hold up very well upon rewatch. But I don't think it's one I would happily skip whenever I have the opportunity. No, here's the thing. I'm not a big friends fan, honestly. I I think that it has some, some funny shows, but I've never watched friends theme song kicks it it is awesome do you just like it because you love the 90s like it's very 90s i'll give it that (laughs) like the seinfeld theme song feels very 80s to me even though the show was in the 90s friends feels very 90s no you know what 
there you will actually find a trend i think as we go through some of these picks there's a certain and it goes back to what we were talking about with parks and rec for me you know it's all about community it's all about going through tough times it's all about you know finding people who you can trust through those tough times and and so when you listen to the lyrics for friends it's all about that i'll be there for you you know i think that that, that sort of resonates on a level that like individual episodes of the of the sitcom don't necessarily do but it totally encapsulates the entire vibe of of the sitcom and why people gravitated to it in the first place and sure. because of that and because it actually made it to to number 23 on the top 40 list it is there i'll say that that's a good segue into i didn't say this as one of my rules but i will i'll say it now because it became an unofficial rule for me was i wanted it to be a theme or title song that actually sparked something in me apart from the show. Um, because there's many that I could put on there because of what the show means to me or what I think about the show, like yeah. Mr. Rogers neighborhood, the Andy Griffith show, the office, the fresh P- Prince of Bel Air, you know, all of those are pretty special and mean something because of, you know, for a variety of different reasons or because of the show itself or the theme of the show or the stuff like that. But I wanted it to be like the theme song itself. I will not skip this. That was kind of my other thing. I'll skip the Friends one. Well, that was my criteria too. There are some shows on my list that I have not actually watched, but the theme song kills. And so it was really based based on the theme song itself, almost separated from the show, even though I think that it's important on some level that it speaks to what the show is about. It just sure. has to be. It just has to be, sort of that end all be all theme song. All right, number four on my list. Are you ready to guess, Paul? Um, I'm pretty offended that you didn't play the theme, the Friends theme song. Actually, oh, that's right. I was supposed to pull that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll do that for the next one. But that one, I didn't want to offend my own ears. So, eat it. <laughs> Scrubs. Got it. All right. Scrubs. That song is called Superman. It's by Laszlo Ban. That is a B to B minus theme song. Okay. Here's what. What's that? It's It's fine. fine. Yeah. I what here's what I like about this one, and it will contrast with what I like about the next one. But I love how brief this one is. It's 12 seconds and it's done and it's catchy and it's singable. You can And that's what I'm saying about modern that it, it, it shows how um, theme songs have been sort of pushed to the side because people don't have the, the patience to sit through whole theme songs anymore. 12 seconds. Well, but, but I think in this case you want your song to fit the show, right? To your point earlier, and Scrubs is that way. I think this song feels very Scrubs. And and to your point, like it, you knew you you're not even a Scrubs super fan, but you knew it was Scrubs. I did know it was Scrubs. And, as soon and as I, I wasn't a Scrubs super fan, but I hear that I'm like Scrubs. It's memorable. It really and it's singable. Count. It doesn't even count as a song. It counts it as, count as a, a little noise. No, <laughs> twelve seconds does not constitute a song. It can, and it no. did. 
No. The candidate did. <laughs> That's totally ridiculous. Okay. Number four for number Paul. Number four for me. Or in my list, the number one song from the 1980s. I could have gone Simon and Simon because I think that that's a really cool theme song. I could have gone Miami Vice because that's super cool. But I went with Cheers. Oh, no. No, I'm not going to play this one either. I hate the Cheers theme song. It's garbage. It is not garbage. How how is this possible that you would not like Cheers? I'm gonna play this garbage for you. Boo! It's great. Boo! I'm gonna vomit. No, this is a depressing theme song. It is not a depressing theme song, and I can barely hear it. You should crank it. And your little angel better up by its tail. And your third fiance didn't show. Oh my gosh, I hate this song so much. <laughs> Why do you hate it? It's so good. It's it is not good. To the poignancy of the show, it reflects what, you know, it's I think it's just great. I learned how to play this on the piano, as a matter of fact. I liked it so much. That, that makes sense. It just, I know this one is up there for a lot of people, and I am happy to play the villain on this. (laughs) I also don't like the show. I have tried several times to watch Cheers, and I don't like it. What is wrong with you? I just, every time I hear that theme song, it makes me want to feel depressed. Even if I don't want to feel depressed, it makes me want to feel depressed. (laughs) Like, isn't this show supposed to be a comedy? I don't know why it would make you feel depressed. I mean, you've got an alter ego in Cliff Clavin over there. You, th- It seems like it I would don't be- even know who Cliff Clavin is. Oh, my goodness. What is wrong with you? I oh. think I made it to the – I think I made it through one episode, but I tried multiple times. Wow. See, for me growing up, this I, I'm a child of the 80s. Cheers was, you know, it was it was like in the in the Thursday night block. Like you had the Cosby show, Family Ties, Cheers came right afterwards. It was like the best night of TV around. And I'm telling you, the Sam and Diane relationship, if we ever do a podcast on best TV romances, I'll I'm I'm warning you right now, that's gonna be number one or number two. Better than Jim and Pam? <laughs> oh, way better. Way better. You are the worst. You, you suck. <laughs> All right. What's number three for you? All right. Pulling it up. Boring. 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 No, wait for it. I'm going to skip ahead. Of it. Ugh, goosebumps. No, it, that's super boring. I mean, it really goes, it, it actually proves what I've been talking about this entire time, that, that theme songs have gotten definitely weaker as time has gone on. Oh boy, how do I wish this was from the 1960s so I could just throw that in your face. Yeah, you know? no, no, this is a show that I've reviewed. I, is this, this isn't Westworld, is it? It's not, it's Daredevil. Daredevil, of course, how could I forget? 
Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Like no, this not. is the opposite of the Scrubs in that this one runs over a minute. As and of course, it pairs perfectly with the graphics that they came up with. Yes, it does pair perfectly with the graphics, but it's not a particularly good theme song in it, and of itself. It works. And it sets the emotional tone, something that I felt like – I'm glad this came up right after Cheers because Cheers does not set – their theme it song totally sets the emotional not the totally emotional sets tone the of the show. It totally sets it. Daredevil's theme song does that. And the way it ends with the thumping like yes. sound of the heartbeat, you're yes. just like, let's go. It's 3 in the morning. I'm watching another episode. Yes. I, I agree with you on the heartbeat. But honestly, if you're looking at – even Netflix Marvel shows, Jessica Jones has a better theme song. I never watched Jessica Jones, so it couldn't have made my list because I didn't watch that one. But, Paul, you're wrong. The Daredevil <laughs> theme song is good. And it proves that you're not patient enough to sit through and to feel the journey of the music, to let it set you up for what the show is going to be. No. I was literally watching this. I would chain watch Daredevil episodes Way past my bedtime when I needed to be asleep, and I wouldn't skip the darn intro because it was so perfect. No, here's the thing: the the graphics for for shows have gotten incredibly good, and that has some incredible graphics. But you separate the song from the graphics, it, it just doesn't work. It's boring. It this is this is music that I would fall asleep to. You're welcome. <laughs> That's good music. Music is supposed to help us fall asleep. <laughs> fall asleep. Hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But this did the opposite for me. This woke me up. Like if this started, if I didn't, if I didn't, if I didn't stop and turn off the show before this theme song started, I was in. No, it, it, and it's a great blending. Ironically, it's a great blending for Daredevil of, of graphics and music, right? Because those do go well together. And you can make the same argument for a lot of a lot of modern shows. They do a great job of mixing this this sort of slow, somber, stately music with some pretty incredible graphics. I mean, you think about the Games of Thrones intro. It's it's a great intro in its entirety. But the theme song alone just doesn't work. But we're not doing just theme songs. We're doing titles. Titles. No, 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 no. Now you're changing. You're changing. The song works. No, I'm just telling you it works broader than just the song. I'm telling you it works. I know you agree that. I'm just telling you it works. I I think Daredevil, I like the intro a lot. It plays. It does not among the top five songs. Well, neither does does Cheers, so. Let me tell you what does. What is on my list for the number one song of the 1970s or in your weird calculus, the number three song on my list? The song? My weird calculus, the exact premise of this show. <laughs> Keep going. Laverne and Shirley. Never watched it. I, I didn't like the show at all. But the theme song is really cool. Pause. Pull it up for you. As you pull it up. Boo. I don't know. I don't know what this one is. Let's see. This has a total 70s vibe. It's really the, the quintessential 70s theme song. Oh. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Slamio. Slamazo. Hassenbeff Incorporated. We're going to do it. Give us any chance. We'll take it. We're going to make our dream. 
Oh my gosh, now it won't turn off. The song won't end. So much for fair use. That's right. No, that and that for me that that is like the quintessential seventies song, right? I never liked the show. I I watched it. Feels very seventies. I agree. But I really dug that theme song. I think it just has a nice, peppy, buoyant seventies vibe. I have no commentary. It's exactly that. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I got nothing. All right, guess this one. You're one right now. If those keeping score at home, Paul is one correct, two incorrect. <laughs> that's that's wrong. No, you didn't get Daredevil. You just got Scrub. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Nothing. One out of three. I can't believe that I got Daredevil wrong and Scrubs right. That doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like you, Paul. Yeah. So, no, I do not know. This is the theme song for Community. Um. Yeah, that is a show that I've always thought about watching. And now it's on <laughs> Netflix. And yeah. So you're welcome. The yeah. song is by a band called The 88, and it's called At Least It Was Here. And... uh it includes such lyrics as roped up, tied up, dead in a year. I can't count the reasons that I stayed. So uh, you're, you're telling me that Cheers makes you depressed? Well, see, that's the funny thing. Is <laughs> the lyrics are so odd with how upbeat the song is, right? You hear the song and it's got the big, it's got the big drums and the guitar and it's just moving real fast. And you're like, I feel amazing. And then you're listening to the lyrics. And you're like, that sounds a little odd. And it perfectly encapsulates how ca- the energy of community, which goes about a thousand miles per hour and can be really deep and really goofy all at the same time. It just perfectly wraps up the ethos of community. But also really stands alone. Like I sing this song just randomly all the time. It's so good. Yeah. I think one thing that this uh, segment is really teaching me is you have no taste whatsoever in theme songs. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's your opinion. So what decade do you have for us next, Paul? Number two on my list, 1960s. Let me tell you, was the golden age of theme songs. The golden age. You had Gilligan's Island. You had the Beverly Hillbillies. You had Andy Griffith Show. But I chose for my number one song of the 1960s, The Adams Family. The Adams Family. Well, pause, because I didn't get Paul's list in advance. That's all you need. That's all you got to hear, right? That's all you need. Yeah. It's just that over and over again for an hour. It's one of the most iconic theme songs of all time. So much so that even now when they're making Adam's Family movies, they can't get away from that theme song. It encapsulates the whole show. And it's super catchy. I call that terrorism. (laughs) Hostage taking. If you can't get away from something and you want to. Ba-da-ba-bum. Ba-da-ba-bum. What, why, why is this the best of the 60s, though? You named a lot of really classic songs. Why does this beat them out? Yeah, you know, it, and that's a really tricky thing. 
here's the reason why I chose the Adams family above all the others is because I think it is so firmly connected. You can make sort of the same argument with Gilligan's Isle, right? Griffith. To some extent, the Beverly Hillbillies. But I think that that when you look at Gilligan's Island theme song, Beverly Hillbillies, they encapsulate the, the show so well that they're so identified with the show that you can't really separate the show from the theme song. But the Adams Family is just purely a better a better song, you know. It has. Oh, so you just get you get down and groovy to the Adams Family in oh, your house. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's really. <laughs> It's very catchy. It's it's exactly like what you were saying with that other song that I can't even remember that you picked the last five mm. seconds ago. At least it was here. Oh, uh, the community theme song. So good. Which is pretty boring compared to the Adams Family. You do have to admit that the Adams Family, as soon as you hear those first few notes, da 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 dum, you know exactly what it is. You don't necessarily I, know that for community. Well, I I do for community actually, but. I recognize that you don't because it was a cult classic and you don't have good taste. You just like this mainstream schlock. Oh my goodness. Uh, I do know the Adams family, but I think that was, I think it's also a product of, they were so on the nose, right? That was this sixties were the era of, we're just going to explain to you the entire show in the song, (laughs) in the theme song. And Paul's like, I ain't got time to remember what this show was about. Sing it to me. And really the was audience good. was a hostage. The audience didn't have options. That's why it's that's, that's I think it's harder now is the audience has options. They can go wherever else they want. They don't have to sit here and watch your dumb show the way they did in the 1960s. <laughs> no, I, I thought it was great. Actually, the era, the era where the theme song explained everything you needed to know about these crazy, crazy shows, that there was some advantages to that. The advantage being that uh what you could watch it while you were senile? Oh my goodness! Oh All right, my goodness. Number one for me, Paul. Are you ready to guess? I'm ready. Get ready. Here it comes. Got nothing. Right. Huh? That's familiar, but I don't know it. What is it? I'll give you your first clue. It was written by Joss Whedon. Hmm. Firefly? It is the Firefly theme song. Hmm. It's called The Ballad of Serenity. So I think this one, um, you know, sort of bridges an old era and a new era, right? The show is blending westerns and science fiction, right? The song itself blends the era of lyrically describing a show without doing it on the nose of the modern day songs that like your community, like your scrubs, where the song is not describing the show, but the song is actually capturing the ethos of the show. And I think that the Firefly, the Ballad of Serenity written by Joss Whedon really blends those two really well because the song itself doesn't explain the show, but when you hear it and then the show goes, you're like, there's no other song. This, this captures it perfectly. So there I you go. I hold my judgment on that because I, I would need to hear the whole song and I would, you know, I think um, I can see what you're saying and I think that there might be some possibilities of that. But I do have to say that as I think through your list, 
I wonder how many of these theme songs you're actually going to remember 10 years from now. Well, I already remember the Firefly theme song almost 20 years later. I mean, the song came out in two, the song came out in 2002 and I was watching it by the mid, you know, 2005. So it's been over, it's been 15 plus years since I watched the show. And I still think of this, uh, community well, is 10 years old now. Daredevil I, is very the, recent scrubs, well, almost 20 years old. Here's the thing, though. You know, I, I think about Daredevil. For me, I've watched every single episode of Daredevil. I couldn't picture You know, I think it doesn't strike. It doesn't strike that same tone that some of the great theme songs of yesteryear did. I think that I think the theme songs were just more memorable back then. No, I think you remember them because you were forced to listen to them and record them on your cassette player. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a little bit of Stockholm syndrome going on with these old theme songs. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe. All right. Who's your number one hostage taker? My number one song, also the number one song from the 1950s, the early days of TV. Even I was not born then. I was a long time away from being born, but this is a great song no matter what decade you're talking about. And and you, it still holds up really well today. And that's the theme song for Peter Gunn. G-U-N. I'm going to be honest. I've never even heard of this TV show. I've never watched the TV show. but I've never even heard of it, so I win. <laughs> the theme song kicks. It's Let's awesome. See. All right, you know what? I'm not going to hate on this one. I don't. I don't mind this one. This is this is worthy of your number one pick based on the rest of your list. <laughs> yeah, Peter Gunn is pretty great. It really is a great theme song. Henry Mancini did that. The same composer who did uh, the Pink Panther theme. See, Pink Panther was. You know, that's a classic. That's a classic. Yeah. Now, I always think of it as being the movie theme. Uh, of course, I know there was a TV show and that it was there, but. First Pink movies Panther. were Peter Tellers. They were great. V good. V yeah. good. You're not talking about, you're not talking about like the Steve Martin. No, no, Panther. I've seen the OGs. I've seen the OGs. I know what's yeah. up. Yeah. I'm a, Peter, right. I'm a Peter Sellers fan. I'm a fan. I've All seen right. Murder by Death. Classic Peter Sellers. That is a great movie. That's the one thing we've agreed on this entire episode. That's right. Murder by Death is a classic. It is really good. Well, we'll end our list of best TV intro song theme songs with that note of agreement on a movie. What did we miss? Because obviously Paul and I had some very stark disagreements. We left off some huge ones. From our list, both of us did, uh, by including dumb ones like Cheers. Oh my! Uh, that just that that kept Paul from bringing up some better ones. <laughs> so you got to tell us. Uh, and, and to be honest, you know, I I had to leave some great ones off as well, like Phineas and the Phineas and Ferb theme song. So good, so good, but it didn't make my top five. So you can let us know on Twitter. Listen to me, not comment on that. Because <laughs> you're the worst. <laughs> and you can let Paul know that he's the worst on Twitter at 
AC Paul. And I'm at Jake underscore Roberson. And now it's time for the most least important thing. Here we are in the most least important thing, the way we love to wrap up every single little show of ours. It's Paul's favorite segment because it means he's almost done. (laughs) Paul, to get you out the door even quicker, why don't you kick us off? All right. Does that mean like as you're talking, I can just walk out? (laughs) Just just bail. I mean, you got to leave us with your signature catchphrase. Done. Yeah, well... I, what am I going to talk about here? I think what I'm going to say is, uh, is I'm just going to actually let you know, we had talked a lot about the Parks and Rec special. Um, Mm -hmm. You know that it was actually done for charity. I did know that. You know, they kind of made a big deal about that. Parks and Rec has already raised $3 million for Feeding America. Three Three million. million. That is a lot of money. That is a lot. Are they of, matching those donations? You know, they. I think that there was a group that matched them up to f- like five hundred thousand dollars worth of donations. That was matched, but everything over and above is is just accumulating. And I think that that you are actually able to donate to this to this cause um, through May twenty first. So it's very possible that that number could go up quite a bit for Feeding America. And I think that whatever you think about the special. Um, the fact that they raised $3 million, that's kind of a cool thing. That is a cool thing. I, I love it when we can come together and help people in need. I can't can't crap on that the way I crapped all over your rank geeks list. <laughs> Which just should clean that wrong, up. You wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> Most least important thing for me comes with another trivia question for Paul. I'm going to just oh keep going goodness. with the trivia theme. Wow. Paul, do you know what two shows are tied for the record of the longest-running live-action comedy series? That's running right now? No, just what has the record for? There's two shows that are tied for this record. Longest-running live... You can't look it up. Don't you dare look it up. I'm I'm not looking it up. I'm I'm trying to think here. Live-action comedy series, longest-running. Oh man, that's a really good question. I'll give you a hint. Reboots the number count? is 14. 14 seasons. Wow. You stumped me. Well, the the show to do it first was The Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet. Really? That was a little bit before my time even. That's right. That beats us both out. The show that came along and tied that record in 2019, I was just pausing for dramatic effect, was It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Back to It's Always Sunny. And you say, Jake, why does this come up if it tied the record in 2019? Yes, well, why does this come up now? Why? Why does it come up now? Because according to an Instagram post from Rob McElhenney, Who's one of you know the show's creators and stars? I don't know if that's how you say your name, Rob. Sorry, uh, but he posted on Instagram within the last couple of weeks, confirming that he is in the works of writing season fifteen of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which would make It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia the new record and sole record holder. 
Wow. From At odd 15 seasons. to It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Very wow. odd, right? That's a very interesting thing. It is, it is both most and least important. That's exciting. That's right. Uh, I would not have guessed either of those shows. And no, so I, I was thoroughly surprised to find out that it's not only one of those shows, but both. <laughs> so here's to you, IASIP. It doesn't have a good acronym. Needs a better acronym. No, no, it doesn't. I do have to say, Sunny in Philadelphia has one of my favorite little YouTube clips of all time. Oh yeah, with mittens. Check out with mittens. It's pretty pretty. It's pretty great. Yeah, uh, it's always Sunny in Philadelphia is the show that I really want to like a lot more than I end up liking it. It has the record that record in my book, and that I really appreciate its concept. But then I try to watch it, and I'm like, I feel I feel terrible, I feel lousy and dirty, and I'm not watching the show. I feel like a terrible human being no, for watching the show. It really is. It's it's like Seinfeld on on meth, you know, in a way, because you just have purposefully really terrible people, and you know, I I know that that there have been. Um, major news outlets that have actually sort of ranked sunny episodes based on, you know, they try to figure out who was the worst person in any given episode. It's, yeah. it's, hard, it's hard for me to get too involved with that. It's like the anti parks and rec actually. That's right. I mean, like everybody in parks and rec. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember a little bit harder. Yeah. I remember having an aunt that used to complain about Seinfeld. She was like, oh, they're all a bunch of whiners. I don't understand how anybody likes this show. They're all terrible, selfish people who whine all the time. And I was like, you just don't get it. You don't get it. It's great. I love it. That's the whole point. They're all, they're all terrible. It's, that's why it's funny. And then it's always sunny. There was a time in my life where I was less cynical, where I, I laughed. But now I'm like, no, these people are very, very real. And I don't like it. <laughs> Kittens with mittens is good though. Yeah, Charlie Day. I'm a big fan of Charlie Day, so there is still that. But that's it for this episode. And the most least important thing, <laughs> we uh, we hope you're still here. I hope you're still here. <laughs> Paul's not here anymore. He's walking out the door. I'm so gone. I'm gone. <laughs> until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. <laughs> yep, he had to walk back in to do his signature catchphrase. Now I've got to say it again because we have to end the show that way. All right. All right. Here we go. Until next time, I'm Jake. I'm Paul. We'll catch you on the flip side. Bye. Bye.